0: Hello, and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. You know, even in death, as a follower of Jesus, we've won the war. And that also means that regardless of the battles that we may yet lose in this life, we are still not defeated. And so regardless of how you may feel or how battered your faith may be at this point, you are here, meaning you've still made it. And what that means is that God is not done with your life on this side of eternity. Four years on, through so much, here you are. Meaning God's not done. So, what now? From year one to year two, year three, and celebrating year four, where to from here, God? And to explore that. I want us to start in the Old Testament book of Exodus. Now, the recorded history from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of God's work throughout history and ultimately bringing salvation to all mankind through Jesus. And this Old Testament book details God's call to the people of Israel who also represent us they were told to get up and leave their position of slavery in Egypt in the same way that through Jesus we are no longer slaves to sin. So God rescues and delivers his people and then he guides them through the unfamiliar desert and into the promised land the same way he now guides us as his people. So, here are three key aspects of the Israelites' journey in the book of Exodus that apply to our journey today. Firstly, you will see up on the screens, Egypt. And there's a very Shakespearean word there, peonage, meaning... Slavery, bondage. And so Egypt was the place of peonage. They needed deliverance from this place, but they did not have enough strength in themselves. They needed the power of God. And so God came and did the miraculous, releasing them from bondage the same way you and I were not enough to save ourselves from sin. So we needed the perfect perfect substitute in Christ Jesus who saved us. So if we can keep that up on the screen. Um, Egypt. I know you want my beautiful face, but we're going to keep this up just for this. So Egypt. So so there was in Egypt, and for all of us, there was a point of deliverance where we might have found Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Later, we'll give you the opportunity to reach out and experience his deliverance because in our own strength, we're not enough. So the Israelites literally experienced this. The second aspect of their journey that applies to us is they were then led from deliverance in a direction toward the promise, okay? So that was in the desert. That was a period of process. Out of their deliverance, they didn't just go and sit in the destiny. They now had to go through the process of a direction to get to a destination. During this, this period, God gave them what they needed and provided just enough. So it was what they needed. Thank you, Jesus, just enough. That's why the word of God says for you and I as followers of Jesus now, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. You see, God, thank you. I'm not enough, but you give me just enough to, to even in my sin, not be disqualified from your salvation. And so this is our earthly life in Jesus, this process, this life of moving in direction. And then ultimately the third aspect that applies to us is Canaan, the promise. So we we go from peonage, deliverance, into the process, moving in a direction through our human experience. God, you lead us. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm with the shepherd right now. I'm in process, and he's giving me just what I need. There's so much more I want You know, there's so much, some of us want more healing, some of us want more, and we just, and then eventually there's Canaan, which is the promise. Now, this is the destination. This is the place that we are called to out of our deliverance. It's the place of more than enough. For the Israelites, they called it the land flowing with milk and honey. For us, it's heaven's final reward of abundance and its fullness with Jesus, which he promises us. And so... When we correlate our personal human journey to this one, we are in the desert if we are still here. We are in the process if we are still here. We are living in this human experience, seeing only in part what we will one day see fully as heaven's final reward, but it's in this process that we can often get stuck. We can start asking ourselves, when will we ever get there, or will we ever get there? We want the fullness of the promise when we should instead surrender to the process. Therefore, the question isn't, will I ever get to my destination, but will I remain faithful to my direction? The destination isn't in question. Our direction is. You see, the enemy wants to distract us from the direction we're going in because he doesn't have the power to keep us from the promised land. And I have a sense, an intuitive spiritual sense, that many people are experiencing the enemy's distraction from God's direction. I don't know what that may look like for you. It could be and will be in any shape and form, from loss to disappointment to a struggling married to an unmet expectation or a lack of finances or a dark depression or a divorce. But although these things may be a part of your struggle now, they shouldn't be given the power to redirect your God-given destination. Our sense of God's call this year has been one of intentional focus and active faith. And now I kind of understand it a little bit more because the enemy is seeking to distract us from our inevitable destiny within God's promises. King David wrote in the Old Testament book of Psalm 16 verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. David would not be moved from his course by what he saw around him because he had intentionally set his focus on the God who went before him. I want to encourage you to keep your focus on Jesus even in your struggle because the enemy wants to distract you from your direction knowing he doesn't have the power to keep you from the promised land. You may feel defeated, but it's only a distraction from an enemy who has no power over your abundant destination. And when I think of this struggle, I'm reminded of the Israelites' experience while they were in the process of journeying toward the promise as documented in Exodus 16.3. They became distracted. Remember, the desert represents the place we are all in in our journey. Now, this point of scripture that I read about how they became distracted, it had been just one month since the Israelites had been delivered from Egypt. And while in the process of moving toward the promise, the people started complaining with distraction. Verse 3 tells us, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. God's people equated lack of what they wanted in the process towards God's promises as a reason to turn back towards bondage for the sake of their oppressor's provision. Sometimes we question where God has brought us because we experience lack. Oh God, well, what's this now? See, don't lose focus on God's promised destiny because you don't have what you want in your present circumstances. And then return to the very oppressive place God had delivered you from. So after they complained, in verse 3, verse 4 says, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. And jumping to verse 12, God continues explaining this to Moses when he says, "I've heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat and in the morning you will have the bread you want. Then you will know that I'm the Lord your God." So, God provided quail meat by night and a cracker-like substance on the ground to be collected in the morning, which was ground up and made into small cakes. And verse 31 tells us the Israelites called the food Manna, it was like coriander seed and it tasted like honey wafers. God provided manna for his people in the process toward the promised land. And verse 35 tells us, so the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan, the area of promise. Now, we may read that from our perspective now and assume, sure, they must have been so grateful for God's provision. But almost one year later in their journey toward the promised land, they began complaining with distraction again. And this time it wasn't because they didn't have what they needed from God's provision of manna, but because they didn't get what they wanted, Numbers 11 verse 1 says, Soon the people began to complain about their hardship, and the Lord heard everything they said. Firstly, the people were obediently following God's direction, but experiencing hardship. So just because God has promised us abundance doesn't mean the absence of the enemy in the process toward it. In fact, it's only when you're moving in the right direction that you'll experience resistance. If you've been fighting your way through the season, it's because all hell is coming against you with the knowledge that all of heaven is for you. And as Romans eight thirty one in the New Testament says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now in verse 4, the second round of complaining is described more specifically. It says, then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Interesting. And the people of Israel also began to complain, oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. Can I get an amen? We remember the fish we used. That's what happened when I used to visit my vegan sister. Oh, we wished for some meat, and they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Sometimes we will justify turning away from God's direction and back towards Egypt by listing the good things we've lost. The verse said the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Just because it was good then doesn't mean it's God's will for you now. At this point in their process toward the promise, the Israelites prioritized what they wanted from the past over what God knew they needed in their present. You see, the season of manna in our lives is a test of our trust in God who guides us toward the promise. A little later in the Israelites' journey toward the promised land, Moses was speaking to them about what it would take for them to take possession in the book of Deuteronomy 8 verse 16, to take possession of the promised land. And he said, Who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end? And beware, lest you say in your mind and heart, my power and my might, uh, the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. But you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. The season of manna you're facing is a test, not to get you into trouble, but to prepare you for God's goodness at the end of the process. Verse 16, they said, who fed you in the wilderness with manna? Which Your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you. Why? To do you good in the end, that scripture said. See, the season of manna you may despise is part of the preparation of your destiny toward the promised land. The good things you've lost in your past can't keep you from God's goodness in your future. God, in this situation, had taken the Israelites out of Egypt. But in the preparation for the possession of the promised land, he now had to take Egypt. Out of them. So, reflecting on the chaotic four years of your life up to this point, all the unplanned, unexpected things, what Egypt do you need to let go of? What things from your past that were good but have gone do you need to just stop trying to hold on to? What Egypt do you need to let go of? What's been distracting you? What's happened in the past is out of your control. Don't let your sense of guilt and shame become a bondage that halts you from the future of God's fullness. Where have you been frustrated with God? Reflect on those questions. What Egypt do you need to let go of? What's been distracting you and where have you been frustrated with God? It's interesting that when God spoke to Moses for the first time about providing his people with what they needed in the form of manna in the book of Exodus, God referred to it as food from heaven. Manna in the sight of God was food from heaven, but the very food God sent from heaven became the focus of his people's frustration. Their focus had shifted from gratitude for God's provision of what they needed in the process to what they wanted from God. And the irony is that because they lost their ability to focus on what they needed in the process, they never experienced the abundance they so wanted within the promise. If you're here today on our fourth birthday, and even if you're experiencing lack in your life, Or frustration with God, even if you're desiring good things from your past that you've lost, God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten you. Even in your frustration with his sovereignty, God is giving you unknown food from heaven. And if you will trust him in the process, you will enter into the promise. And that means that if you're in a season of mourning and manner, that in some way you've actually made it this far in the process toward the promise, just like those Israelites. You've somehow fought through your doubts. You've wrestled through your fears and you've pursued through your pain. Don't be discouraged. We've made it here, meaning God's not done, guys. He's not done with you or me. You see, what we have been through, like I said earlier, reflects the potential of where we are going Because God isn't preparing the promise for us. He's preparing us for the promise. And our responsibility is therefore to focus on what God's doing in us without getting distracted by what's happening around us. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, 34, as I come into land. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. If you're here, God has sustained you up to this point, no matter how intense the struggle So what may God be doing in you when you are frustrated by the circumstances around you? See, we no longer live in the historical period that those Israelites did. We live in the fulfillment of God's promise of ultimate deliverance because Jesus has come and defeated death. And so the bread from heaven that sustained those Israelites is not what we depend on anymore. We rather depend on the person of Jesus. From the Israelites' journey in the Old Testament, we now read of Jesus speaking in the light of the New Testament in which we live. And from John six thirty one, he says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus came to give life to the world. And so in our frustration, our focus remains on him. You have made it and God is not done. Therefore, I pray for you, no matter what you've been through, how far you feel from God, how frustrated you are, how obsessed you've been looking back at the good things you no longer have. I pray that regardless of that, you would live out the words of Galatians 6, 9 which says, let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good for at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. If we do not give in, there's a fifth party for you to celebrate. There's a sixth year for us to give God praise for. There's a seventh year for you personally. There's an eighth and ninth and a 10th. God is not finished. We have made it and God has more.